Tom Bernard Show with Andy Brant Bernard and Mike Molina. And we'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant. Bradshaw and Bryant. Walzer Automotive Group started in Minnesota over 60 years ago. Most people know something about the Walzer way. Upfront, no haggle pricing, work with one person from start to finish, or the free lifetime powertrain warranty on most vehicles sold in Minnesota. What you might not know is they are the only automotive group that is a member of the Keystone Club. They join such great Minnesota companies as General Mills, Target, Cargill, the Twins, Wolves, and Vikings in pledging 5% pre-tax profits to local charities. It's a great example of their core values. Do the right thing, display positive energy, be open-minded, and lead by example. So if you're in the market for a new or used car, check out walzer.com or stop into one of their dealerships. Please don't say, tell them Tommy sent you, because it sounds fake and I hate it. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. that high but it sounds weird with that second delay doesn't it yeah a little bit that one second delay it's all true um i wonder if we should cut that last uh was it two and a half minutes of, of dr farley and put it in this hour vivaldi is your personal web browser with the functionality you need is, oh my god ability you what is that? <laughs> with vivaldi stop it faster oh my god it just <laughs> won't there we go what the hell was that all about um, Updating a program and the uh, it hijacked the browser. Well, that'll happen. <laughs> yeah, because that because he that went went over what by about two and a half three minutes. Uh, two and a half. Yeah, about two and a half. So if we get out by uh, what about 20, 20, 21, will that work? Uh, yeah, it'll be tricky to put it in there at the start of it. No, well, if you can't put it in there. No, that would just sound really bad, I think. All right, well, they're... Okay. Well, okay, we're going to have to figure something out then. Because there's no way we can get to our second guest at 35. There's just no chance, right? Uh, If this runs 15, this will go to 25, and yeah, we'll figure something out. Yeah. We'll figure something out. Joe Satriani has to be on. Uh, We don't usually stay on the air after 50 50 minutes after the hour, but the only time Joe Satriani could be on... Is at uh, is at two fifty, 
So we just had to move things around, and we'll, we'll figure it out. It'll all get worked out in the end. And I believe our second guest also knows she, she only has 10 minutes, so that's good. That'll all work out. I'm sure she'll be. Hey, you see your uh, home country kicked out uh, their leadership. They yes, I did the see establishment. that. The establishment, you see that? Yep. Italian, Italian voters went to the polls over the weekend and upended the political establishment. The big winners were populist and far-right parties, which received about 55% of the vote in total, though it could take weeks to figure out how exactly what kind of coalition will be governing the country. The big losers were the pro-EU forces in general and establishment politicians such as Silvio Berlusconi in particular. Well, come on, didn't Berlusconi just get out of prison? He went to prison, didn't he? He's a billionaire. Yeah. But I thought he was convicted of a bunch of crimes. Oh, yeah. He's just so weird. He is a very weird guy. This was an anti-establishment triumph of the same magnitude as the Brexit referendum or Donald Trump's U.S. election victory, writes Ferdinando Giuliano. And if he pronounces his name correctly, Giuliano. He was convicted of tax fraud in 2013 and did one year? Of... Did, I thought so. Berlus- Berlusconi's a billionaire. He did one year in prison. Yeah, well, <laughs> three years were pardoned for some reason. Yeah, that's why I wonder why. Oh, he was so... Apparently, in Italy, if you're over 70, you can't be directly imprisoned. So he did yeah. community work. Oh, really? You can't be imprisoned in Italy if you're over 70? I guess not. It's an interesting rule. Plus, I think he's admitted to having, uh, you know, engaged in sex with minors. Like, not minor, minor, but like 18 around there. Yeah, around 18. Not, not at all not surprising. Under, yeah. yeah. Well, I think the age of consent in Italy is 16 anyway, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's weird. I think. I'm not sure. Uh, the big winners were the Five Star Movement, founded less than a decade ago by a comedian fed up with the political establishment. This is a comedian. Got about a third of the vote per the AP. The League, an anti-immigration party of the right, center-right, got about 18%. The buzz in Rome is whether the two parties could team up and form a Eurosceptic alliance. Isn't it kind of interesting that around the world people are fed up with this, you know, namby-pamby, oh, we are, we are the world. No, we're not the world. Because people, if you if you sing we are the world, people will take advantage of you. Yeah, that's and they'll, the thing. Yeah, they'll strip you bare. And that, I'm sorry... We'd like to believe that uh, if you step up and help people, that they will do everything they can to succeed and help you back. They won't. And that's the major problem with all those arguments uh, in the far left in the United States. That's why Donald Trump won, because, you know, the far left just got so carried away with this give, give, give program so other people would vote for them that the people of America got sick of it. Now, I don't know that Trump's handling it all that well with his is tweeting and all the rest of it, but I don't know. I don't, I don't favor either one of them. They just, neither one of them make any sense to me, but that's just the way it is. But uh, what do you think? I mean, what do you think about this, Molina? As an Italian and a Sicilian yourself, what do you think about that? All of a sudden there, there's kind of a far, what they're calling the far right party that just got elected in, in Italy. Well, hopefully it's not the return um, of Benito. Yeah, I don't think Benito's coming back anytime soon. I think I don't think you have to worry about that too much. But is this? I don't think it's a worldwide situation, but I do think it's an American, maybe even Canadian, uh, Western European type of thing that people are just getting sick to death. Yeah, it's largely Western Europe and yeah, it uh, its former colonies. 
Right. That's exactly right. I, th- I think that the giveaway programs were, have been around for so long mm-hmm. and been proven not to work that people are sick to death of the high taxes. I think they're really tired of getting taxed to death, and nothing ever comes of them paying. What is it in Minnesota now? The top rate, I think, if you add everything together, it's about 56 or 57%. It, it, it's just so when I work, you get 57 cents and I get 43 cents. Really? That's how it works, huh? Well, on top of that, uh, it, in particular, not, you know, Sicily, uh, where my people are from, yes. they get the the worst of it because there's been so many people who come, because once they touch down in Sicily, they're in Europe. So a lot of people from the Middle East or Northern Africa have been coming through the Mediterranean, risking their lives, mm-hmm. and they touch down in Sicily. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, the flow of immigration is just crazy, the numbers. Well, that's... And that's exactly what this story says, is that the, one of the number one reasons that the Italians voted the way they did is they are anti-immigration. They don't want immigrants coming to Italy. Isn't it very hard to immigrate to Italy now anyway? Uh, I, would, I would think so, but I think what the thing is, is they want to touch down in Sicily because it's part of Europe, and then they make their way up the boot and, right. you know, trying to get to Germany. Oh, so they're all trying to get to Germany. I think, because Germany, yeah. I think, is where they all want Germany's to be. Germany's where all the handouts are. Yeah. Yeah, that's the giveaway, all the, all the giveaway programs and all the rest of it. Um, you know, in theory, it's a good idea to help out people who cannot help themselves. But the problem is everybody comes flooding in, takes full advantage, and then leaves. Well, plus Italy cannot afford it. I mean, they're like Greece. I think Greece no. is the only country in Europe that's worse off, like, in the economy-wise. Than I mean, Italy? Yeah, Italy is broke. What did they do? Was it giveaway programs? Uh, just a combination of things. I think just a perfect storm. You yeah. see, public debt, which is the number that actually matters and is uh, debt to GDP, uh, which basically means at 100%, that would mean that the amount a country owes is the same as the amount of uh, money it has. Right. Uh, America's right around 100, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, actually, no. America's doing pretty well now. Huh. Really? Since when? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as of 2016, our jet debt to GDP is only 73%. Huh. Really? That's actually quite good. What um, happened? Uh, what, what happened? But Italy, uh, yeah, 132. Yep. Which is third worst in the world. 132. Yep. Although it's tied for third with Lebanon. So what happened yeah. in 2016 that would turn it around? Um, I don't. I wonder if I could find a uh, graph. I mean, that was the election year. It was an election year, obviously. So, uh, you know, you're in a situation. Well, the administrations didn't change until 2017, so that can't be at the administration change because that didn't happen until 2017. Let's see. Public debt. Um, it Basically, it's... Hold on. I can't do this, like, instantly, so you okay. might want to... Oh, second schmooze for a while. No, it'd be interesting to find out what happened in America that turned our, turned our, our debt to a uh, net worth ratio. It's always been not bad. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I mean, it's only are... ever breached 100% once, and that was right in the middle of World War II. Right, yes, exactly. So you, you, the U.S. has always had a very strong economy. And, I mean, it's not – back in 2000 to 2005, our public debt was only like 40%, but it's unusual yeah. for – a public debt to be that low. It is. It's very unusual. And in fact, lower doesn't always mean better because uh-huh. uh, debt means leverage if you're doing it properly. So you don't right. want to have none. You just don't want to have a lot. So where we are is a very comfortable 
area. Okay, well, let me ask you a question about that then. Why is it that on the news all you ever see is that we're $20 trillion in debt and we're about to go under? Because $20 trillion sounds like a big number if you don't think about it in the terms that it's actually, you know, in. So it's it's properly leveraged, therefore $20 trillion in debt is not that is not harmful to us. Well, you don't know if it's properly leveraged, but the fact that it's, uh, you know, been pretty good. It, really, the only issue is that it went up very sharply during Obama's term. It did, yeah. In 2008, as soon as it hit 2008... A public debt doubled, uh, which, I mean, it's only, again, it's only risen that sharply once before, and that was during the World War II. Well, that was the collapse of the economy in 2008, yeah. too. Yeah, exactly. So the economy collapsed, debt went way up because we needed money to borrow off of, you know, mm-hmm. stuff. But now that the economy's doing well, all of that money we borrowed uh, is basically, we still have it, but we can put it to better use. So, you know, it's... If anyone, you know, knew exactly what was going on, they could, you know, become millionaires overnight. But well, I suppose that's I would true. say based on the fact that we haven't breached a hundred percent in seventy years, then you know, things have been going pretty well. So I have a question for you. All these people out here uh, you know, buy gold and buy silver and the people in the know are buying silver, people in the know are buying gold. There were $20 trillion in debt. So basically, they're just trying to scare people into buying their product. Uh, no, that's... Uh, silver companies and such aren't really... Uh, they're not um, advertising that angle. Well, that's what you see on television. If you, watch, if you watch television on some channels, not all of them, but that $20 trillion in debt pops up a lot. No, well, maybe that's what they're doing now. And in that case, then, yeah. But everyone, it's $20 trillion is a difficult number for a person to conceptualize. Oh, yeah, it's Because true. it's a number that is far greater than any human will ever have in history because it's just, it's such an insane amount. But it's just, um, it's also different, difficult to conceptualize that the United States makes that much money. Let's see. Well, what's interesting is, and I haven't checked it in about a week. And, well, I shouldn't say check it because I don't even check it. But the last I heard, Jeff Bezos is worth $120 billion. Yeah, right? and that's so, not even close to $20 trillion, But no, that's what point is 1.2% of a trillion dollars, right? Because it's $1,000 billion. Yes, yeah. So, yeah. But I mean, the other thing people have a difficult time conceptualizing is the fact that America makes $18.5 trillion every year. So, I mean, even if we only save 10% of that, that's still $1.8 trillion saved up every year. Yeah. So yeah. it's just, uh, you know, it's... We're dealing with extremely enormous numbers. They're enormous numbers. Bezos so is really uh, 124.3. Oh, so he made another $4.3 billion yeah. in the last uh, week. <laughs> it's a pretty good week. I did not. I am telling you... I did not make $4.3 billion in the past seven days. I don't know why not, but I didn't. What is that all about? Isn't that amazing that he established all the things that he established and bought all the things he bought, made what appear to be all the right moves, didn't he? Looks like it. Sure does. I guess. Yeah. One point. That's all timing. Just like Bill Gates, all of his money was all timing. Yeah, it's Steve true. Steve Jobs was all timing. None of them did anything new. They just did something that someone did previously, but they happened to do it, wow, just at the right time. Will you stop playing with your equipment over there? First of all, it's the Skype, and now it's a jar full of... 
but idle hands are the devil's playthings. Yeah, apparently. Apparently it works out like that. So what you're saying, Andy, is $20 trillion in debt is really not that big a deal to be worried about. No, it's you have to look at it relatively. And relatively speaking, uh, we're not doing poorly at all. Okay, so what's your opinion of the, the steel and aluminum tariff situation with, with Obama? Not with Obama, excuse me, with Trump. What do you think... Do you have steel an opinion is, on that? Steel, we have a lot of iron in the country. Right, we do. And we have a lot of iron workers, and we have a lot of iron mines, and, you know. You know what they're saying? And the reason I asked you guys that, that question, and Melina, I know you keep up on these stories as well, but they're claiming that aluminum is going to disappear in the next two years, that people just will not use aluminum anymore. What would they use in its place? I really doubt that. That's For one, you can't make an aircraft out of anything else. No, that's There's just true. no metal out there that you can make an airplane out of except aluminum. That's 100%. Unless you want to spend, you know, 20 times as much, which no one's going to do. We shall take a break. we got a couple of really great guests coming up uh, on this hour, as a matter of fact. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. Ask one of our bankers what they love about business banking. They always say the relationship with a client. Case in point, True North Oral Surgery and Implants is a longtime customer with a growing practice. Their banker, Julie Marshall, knows the ins and outs of what they do. So when they need working capital, an equipment loan, or funds for expansion, they call Julie. Are you looking for a banker you can count on? Give us a call. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company? A better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Just like all of you, I had been hearing about my pillow and was skeptical that it was as great as everyone says. Well, I received my first my pillow and I love it. It's very comfortable, stays in that same exact position all night. Fantastic. Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, has a very special offer for Tom Bernard Show listeners. My pillow is offering more than 50% off his four pack special, which includes two premium my pillows and two go anywhere pillows. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first my pillow. If you already know how great the MyPillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Call 800-516-5146, use promo code TOM, or go to MyPillow.com. But make sure you use promo code TOM. Call 800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. That's 800-516-5146, promo code TOM. I like it. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Tom Bernard Show. Talking over the music like I know what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying. A 25-year-old Florida middle school teacher is in the news following a HuffPost report published Saturday that linked her to a podcast it alleged she hosted under the name Tiana Dalikov. I guess it would be Dalikov. Uh, that espoused white nationalist views. The teacher in question, Diana Vol- Volatich, has been removed from her classroom at Crystal River Middle School in Crystal River, uh, Florida. I don't know where, I have never even heard of Crystal River. I don't know where that is. I have no idea where that is. Pending an investigation, NBC News specifies that she remains a teacher with the school. HuffPost reports that after it did some digging on Friday, the unapologetic podcast was wiped from the web. But HuffPost downloaded the most recent one, which ran last Monday. It summarizes one exchange in which Dalachov's uh, guest, white nationalist Lana Loktev, suggests it's ludicrous to think a kid from Nigeria and a kid who came from Sweden have the same IQ. A teacher had that on her podcast? Okay, that's a little bit beyond satire, I would say. Crystal River is 40 miles north of Tampa. 
Okay, it's right so, there. So, in the middle right of nowhere. There. Yeah. HuffPost describes Dalikov as enthusiastically agreeing, claiming science has confirmed that some races have superior IQs, and a report she also claimed to have shared her ideology with her students and lied about doing so when confronted by administrators. It goes on to outline similarities between what it could find online about Dalikov, her age, hometown, and general teaching history, and Volatich. NBC News reports a lawyer for Volatich did indeed confirm that women are one and the same. So she was talking to herself on the podcast. No, she was being, she had an alter ego on the podcast. But she was interviewing her. No. It said that, it said that Dalikov was interviewing Volatich on the podcast. And it says Dalikov enthusiastically agreed with uh, Volatich. And if Volatich and Dalikov, she was enthusiastically agreeing with herself. <laughs> Uh, In any case, they confirmed the women are one and the same, but through the lawyer, Volotich said the podcast was a work of political satire and exaggeration, and that Dalikov's views do not pervade my professional career. But didn't they just say that they did, that she did say these things in her classroom as well? Oh, jeez. Right? Uh, It says here uh, she also claimed to have shared her ideology with her students and lied about doing so when confronted by administrators. So apparently she was talking this way in class as well. I I just don't think it's a good idea there, Volatich or Kalikov (laughs) or what the hell ever your name is. Well, if we let the opposite teach, then we have to let her teach. Otherwise, it's... uh... Rules for me, thee and not for me. I don't know. The whole I don't know thing. why we can't remove them all instead of you know letting some racists teach and some not. Yeah, I would agree. Let's get rid of everybody who because uh, there are plenty of teachers out there who will teach that you know whites are the devil. And oh, there, but yeah, they they do on a daily basis. Yeah. As a you never fact, hear them just, getting removed for some reason. I don't, I don't really understand why they think that's a good way to square the table. So this generation of a certain race should be responsible for what a race did 200 years ago or 100 years ago why don't we just pass a law that says white nationalists can't be teachers but neither can you know anti-white nationalists well anti-white people white nationalists you can be anti-white nationalist all you want because they're well, crazy i mean like anti-white right i know what you're saying and then a parenthesis nationalist nationalists i don't know it's the whole thing is bizarre to present the award for Best Foreign Language Film at Sunday night's Oscar ceremony, Rita Moreno went retro. The 86-year-old Puerto Rican actress and singer, the only Latin artist who has an EGOT, an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony, wore the same dress she wore to the 1962 Academy Awards when she won the Best Supporting Actress Award for West Side Story. The Los Angeles Times reports, wait till you see what I'm wearing, Moreno tweeted in advance of the award show. Uh, yeah, she's. we've had Rita Moreno on the... Uh, on the show a couple of times, Kate, you know, the, it, she's just a great actress. She's a very pleasant person. Just one of those people you'd be really, really happy to uh, to talk to. She's a hell of a talent, too. She While well, she was on Sesame Street for a long time, wasn't she? Um, I believe Rita Moreno was see. on Sesame Street. I'm almost certain she was on Sesame Street. She was on The Electric Company. Oh, The Electric Company. Similar. See, I don't know my children's uh, programming. Amid allegations that he groped a stylist, e-host Ryan Seacrest was sure to have an awkward time attempting to interview celebrities at Sunday night's Academy Awards. Mashable says practically no celebrities talked to him, and the Kansas City Star, which rounds up social media reactions to Seacrest's evening, says E's coverage flopped. None of the five actresses nominated for Best Actress spoke to him. 
Still, Deadline reports Seacrest was uh, not exactly snubbed. He did score interviews with 21 people, and Entertainment Weekly has a list of names. Among them was Taraji P. Henson, who Fox News reports appeared to slam Seacrest to his face during their interview. The universe has a way of taking care of taking care of good has a way of taking care of taking care of good people. Okay, she said while reaching out to touch Seacrest's chin. Know what I mean? She reportedly told the next person who interviewed her, I'm great now that I'm in your company. <laughs> so Taraji P. Henson went after Seacrest in a big way. I, I don't understand that statement, though. The universe has a way of taking care of taking care of good people. Wouldn't it be just taking care of good people? Isn't, isn't once enough? You would think. I don't really know. I, they're, I mean, they're Hollywood people. Uh, we're learning so quickly now and in great chunks that... Pretty much everybody in Hollywood is nuts, don't you think? I mean, one of the big stories that came out of the Oscars last night that Brad Pitt ran into Jennifer Aniston at a party and that made them both really uncomfortable. What a coincidence. Really, that's your story? That's that's your big story. Don't they run into each other? I would think, since they both live in the same town. Well, maybe not. They're, hey, they're both they single now. They run into each other all the time when their uh, publicists meet. To, maybe well, the kids will get back together. They're, they're both get... single. Yeah, she just uh, dumped her husband, didn't she? Yeah. Or the, was it a conscious uncoupling? Yeah, there you go. Because I don't know for sure. I'm not certain if it was a conscious uncoupling or not. I have no idea. Jennifer Aniston, Justin Theroux. Justin Theroux, that's exactly it. He's gone. He's uh, out. Yep, you're right. What? They are out. But are they divorced? Are they uncoupled consciously? What are they? Because I'd like to know. Because they were married. They were I married. Think. Yeah. yeah, they were married. Separated. Oh, they're they're not divorced yet. They're just separated now. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine living with? I don't know Justin Thoreau. Not Justin Thoreau. Is that his name? Justin Thoreau. Yes. Okay. She seems like she'd be a little difficult to live with. You think? Just a little. Just kind of. I don't know uh, how it leans or whatever, but she just kind of seems like she'd be a little difficult to live with. Yeah. There's no question about it. I. Um, what can I tell you? That's all I'm saying. Is what can I tell you? Right, I don't know. I don't, how are we going to possibly get these two interviews in? And well, our guest just called, so that's how. Wonderful! I'm gl- I'm very very happy about that because I was getting very very worried watching the clock and trying to figure out what I was doing. And well, I contacted Cassie to see if we could uh, Cassie's early great. it up a little bit. Cassie does a great job. There's no getting around it. Uh, Margie, do you care if we take a very, very quick break? Uh, you know, we, although we can't do it here, can we? Never mind. I'll tell you what. We'll talk, and then we'll take a break in the middle, if that's okay with you. That's fine with me. Ma- now, how do you say your full name, Margie? Margie Geiler Alanese. So it's Geiler Alanese. So it, it's just exactly what it looks like. Uh, TV series Farm Her. She's got the number one show on RFD TV right now, the new award-winning uh, TV series Farm Her. It's F-A-R-M, capital H-E-R. Margie, tell us all about it. I want to hear about this. What's this all about? Uh, well, it's, it's probably about what it sounds like women in agriculture. So uh, I started this as a photography project about five years ago, almost exactly five years ago. Fresh off a crew in, in the corporate world, I, um, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life, and I saw a commercial during the Super Bowl that... Sparked, uh, sparked my idea to show the women who are a part of agriculture 
And so that's what I started doing. I would just travel nice weekends here in, in Iowa mostly and, and me and my camera and take pictures and share those images and stories on my blog and, and on social media. And, and the ball has grown and rolled and changed since then, obviously, but it is all about shining the light on the women who uh, are such an important part of growing food that we all eat that makes sense margie do you mind if we we get you to call back because the line uh, melina do you hear that yeah melina yep you do yeah margie could you call right back there's a lot of clicking on your line if if, would that be all right with you yeah what should i call art's number back then yeah i think so that'd be good yeah there's see if he can forward it there's a lot of noise on the line unfortunately that would be great is that okay margie she's already hung up oh she did okay um yeah that i don't know what was that I don't know. Horrible connection. Yeah. Why are there so many horrible connections? I couldn't tell you. I don't really understand what the deal is. I could read this, though, while, while she's calling back. That would be really good. Farm Her is a ground, again, it's F-A-R-M, capital H-E-R. Farm Her is a groundbreaking show chronicling the lives of women farmers around the United States. Now it's second season. The show was created by photographer and TV personality Margie Geiler Alanese, who is also the host and executive producer. Uh... The show focuses on women in agriculture and takes viewers on a journey through a day of the life of many diverse women, telling their story and aiming to create a dialogue that highlights the importance women play in agriculture. Well, they always have, haven't they? I would assume. I would hope so. Well, not always. No? But in the past couple centuries, yeah. So was it just a situation where where Dad did all the farm work and Mom had 9,000 kids? Pretty much. So that was the deal? Yeah. Just have enough children to help out with the farm chores? and. Yeah, essentially, yeah. The males worked and the females bred because until very recently, humans were, you know, basically, like, they were barely able to survive even with that very uh, animalistic approach to survival. Right. Right. That makes sense. Didn't have agriculture until... Quite recently. Uh, from an urban goat dairy farm in Tampa to an alpaca ranch in Colorado, Farm Her takes you inside the nitty-gritty lives of female farmers who make up 32% of the farming workforce. And when Mar- Margie comes back, I want to ask her about that. because that, Ask if that's the highest percentage ever. The female farming workforce is almost 1 million strong, yet there's never been a show chronicling their challenges and successes. Many of these women come from the business world who decided to trade it all in to pursue a life in farming. I wonder what that's all about. Uh, no response yet? Seems like we might not be able to find out because yeah, yeah, we're yeah. not hearing back from her yet. Yeah, this whole thing. We're, we just we tried to fit, fit this in so we could do an, an interview at, at 50, and we just can't do that in the future. Because it just doesn't time out properly. Yeah, two interviews immediately back to back. Yeah, yeah. That, that takes uh, a lot more uh, rigid scheduling than we're capable of. Well, maybe what we could do is we could rebook Margie Geiler Alanese uh, for tomorrow. How many guests do we have on tomorrow's show? Because I know we got a couple. Well, we got we have we have one. So there you go. Who's our one guest? Ian Punnett. Well, Ian Punnett's going to be on, but then we got Kristen too for an hour, right? Yeah, but so she's, we, she's we, a regular. So, yeah, second hour is totally free. If we could get Margie rebooked uh, tomorrow in the second hour, that would be wonderful. Because I do want to talk to her about it because it fascinates me why. Oh, and then Mike Brody is going to be in when you're gone. Mike Brody? Yeah, Wednesday. I thought, oh, you mean he's going to be on when D- Darkness Dave is on? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, yeah, because yeah, you're going to be gone. Well, I just thought, I thought you said Mike Brody is going to be on to host it or something. No. But Darkness Dave is going to host it on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I have to go, ladies and gentlemen, to uh, Punta Cana tomorrow for our annual trip to Punta Cana. 
And um, it's probably going to be the last one to Punta Cana because we – I just want – I want to go over and watch spring training. Spring training is going on right now, and it would be so so cool. We've gone to Punta Cana three years, and it's – you know, people have a wonderful time. And it'll be uh, nice to go over there and see everybody. You have dinner on the beach, which is spectacular, but I think we can get the same thing done in, done in Florida as well. Is so, that uh, you, Margie? Yep, this is Margie. I'm back. Much better. Margie, that's a much better Well, we have a break in about 30 seconds, but then we'll get back in time. Yeah, we'll, we'll be back in time for a, a seven-minute interview, if that's all yeah. right. Or would you okay. rather rebook for tomorrow? That's up to you. Seven minutes is great. Now, tomorrow's a super messy day. Okay. Um, yeah, we can do that. So if we can do it now, that would be best. We will absolutely do it now. And matter of fact, we'll 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 break a little bit early here so we can get right back to you in just a couple of seconds. Because I, I was reading to the listeners uh, the description of your show and your life and all the rest of it. It's, it's pretty fascinating. I mean, it's really fascinating. Not pretty fascinating. It's really fascinating. We'll be right back. Thank you. Tom Bernard Show. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been for me to lose weight on the Nutramost weight loss plan. I've started up another round at the new Nutramost Plymouth location. And those unwanted pounds, they're going fast. Unlike any other weight loss program, Nutramost is so easy, and they guarantee that you'll lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. There's no exercise, shots, drugs, prepackaged food, and I'm never hungry. Nutramost has helped me change my life, and I know they can help you too. Nutramost of Plymouth is hosting a free informational dinner where you too can learn how to have success losing weight just like me. Neil Sheehy, Nutramost client and owner who played nine years in the NHL, and as an agent to some of the NHL's current top players, will be at the dinner. It's Tuesday, April 3rd, 6 p.m. at Jake's City Grill in Plymouth, located around the corner from Nutramost, just off Highway 55 and 494. Space is limited, so call 763-333-7337 now to register. That's 763-333-7337. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. Sabre Techs give you the service you need, not the other stuff that you don't need. When you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. Margie, is that you playing the guitar that well? That's awfully good guitar. Boy. No, no. Oh, the, this line is much, much better. Margie Geiler Alanese, okay, correct? Founder and president, Margie yeah. Geiler Alanese. I was reading, as I said to the to our to our listeners, um, about the, the show focusing on. It's called Farm Her. That's F A R M capital H E R. The show focuses on women in agriculture, takes viewers on a journey through a day in the life of many diverse women, telling their story and aiming to create a dialogue that highlights the importance of women in, uh, in agriculture. Now, female farmers make up to 32% of the farming workforce now. Is that right? That is, that is right. That is right, yeah. By Mar- the, that's in the 2012 Ag Census. Now, Margie, is that an all-time high? Um, it is the highest that it's ever been. They, over over the course of the last, like, 20 years, have changed the way that they count people. And so oh, okay. I, I would venture to say that that is not, um, it, this is not new. It's just, you know, they're being counted better. And I think that you'll see them I being see. counted even better as we move forward. Because farms aren't just, like, one person, you know. It's usually a family affair. And so 
uh, properly counting all the people is a real thing. Well, yeah, the Dodgers would feed the chickens and the moms would milk the cows and the dads would fork the hay or whatever. Everyone had a like yeah. a thing that they did on a regular basis. Yeah. yeah. But, but they didn't count the And women. that's still very much the case. I, I mean, it, it takes all. It takes everyone, and, and a lot of farms have a lot of different things going on. So, yeah, that's that's definitely true. Now, Marge, you said you were in the corporate world, world and just decided I, this is not for me. I want to do what I want to do. Is that what happened? Yeah. I mean, I guess in a nutshell, yeah. I, I climbed that ladder for eleven years. I thought that's what I, I wanted. I and I got I got to where I wanted, and I thought, uh oh, this isn't this isn't what I thought it was, and this isn't this isn't what I I'm. My my talents are not being best used in this situation, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I wanted I, I wanted to figure out what that was, so I I quit. Um, yeah, so it it was a big change. Now, what did Tony <laughs> What did Tony think of that when you came to him and said, you know, uh, Ava and AJ and Tony, I'm going to quit my job. What was their reaction? <laughs> you know, uh, my kids were only one and three at that time, oh, so okay. they didn't really have a reaction. <laughs> okay. But uh, Tony. <laughs> Probably in inside wanted to just crawl in a hole and hide and think, oh my gosh, what have I done? Who is this person? Right. No, I mean he understands. My Tony, he he works at a corporate job, but he's a musician actually, and so he understands like the the desire to follow your passion and, and to to figure out what you can do best with your talents. And so he really has been my number one supporter. Uh, for the last five years. So, so he can do what he's always done while while you're farming in Iowa? <laughs> yeah. We actually don't farm. Uh, I, I always say if I had a farm, it would be in shambles. I My my best work is done on other people's farms, uh, showcasing what they do. So, um, yeah, we, we don't farm. Tony did grow up on a farm, though, but uh, he keeps everything rolling at home. He, he works for farm her part of the time, keeping all the technology going. Oh, and okay. uh, he, he goes into a job every day too. And then he plays his guitar at night. So he's, he's a busy guy. Wonderful. Now, Margie, where are you in Iowa? I'm in central Iowa. I live in a suburb of central uh, Des Moines uh, called Urbandale. So oh, yeah, I, uh, I drive by cornfields and, and, uh, you know, uh, cows every day on my way into work. That's a very nice area. You know, to tell you the truth, I think that that area is one of the most underrated. Uh, people probably don't know a whole lot about it, but I will tell you this, back in the days when, when I could move around a lot more, I, I work a lot of hours in the, in the day now, but we used to go down there mm-hmm. about this time of the year, every year go down to Des Moines because you could start playing golf in Des Moines about a month earlier than you could in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, and see, then I always think you can go down to Kansas City and do things about a month <laughs> earlier too. Is, is that's but no, Des Moines. Yep. I always say it's a it's a really well kept secret. It's not. It it's most certainly not a flyover state. I always say, born and raised here in Iowa, and I. Uh, hope I never have to move away. I leave all the time, but I always come back. Yeah, I understand that completely. I, I'm a big fan. To tell you the truth, I, uh, I was born in, and raised in Minnesota, but I've gotten around to the Dakotas quite a bit, to Iowa quite a bit, Nebraska, Wisconsin. Uh, well, actually, I, I covered the entire Midwest for Capitol Records, and therefore I spent a lot of time in these towns. And i got to tell you, Margie, I, I loved them all. I think the the upper midwest is one of my favorite places in the world and it's not just because i'm from there it's just a really good place mm-hmm. there's no doubt about that 
I, yeah, uh, good people. They are indeed. Margie, I want to book you for another day. Could you? Could we reach out to you or, or you reach out to us? I want to talk to you a lot more about yeah. this because it's fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah, uh, please do. Um, I, my, you want my email address or what's the best way to, to Just get talk to Cassie or Art. Well, yeah, Cassie or Art can get it because I don't, you know, we probably shouldn't say it on here, but yeah. creator and host Margie yep. geiler Alani. <laughs> She's got the number one show on RFD TV right now. Our new award-winning series, Farm Her. Margie, we'll talk again very soon. Thank you. I look forward to it. Thank you. What a nice person. She's a very nice person. Margie was very interesting. Oh, good. Yeah. So we, we could have had her for two more minutes. Okay, well, yeah, back in uh, Dayton, Alex did plenty of uh, hay baling. Well, not baling, but you know, throwing two horses. And uh, yeah, know, that's stall true. mucking and all that gross crap. Yeah, but I think mom forced her into doing it, don't you well, think? Well, yeah. I don't think anyone on a farm, any kid on a farm does what they do because they love farming. It's just like, you know, it, in, up until about 100 years ago, it's, oh, wait, I think Joe just called. All right. We'll track it down and find out what the situation is. Yeah, I, I, is. I really enjoyed Margie, though. Margie did a really nice job, and I, uh, I, liked, I liked her a lot. Joe, are you with us? I am. How's it going? Marvelously well. Joe Satriani, ladies and gentlemen. Early in his career, Satriani worked as a guitar instructor with many of his former students achieving fame, such as Steve Vai, Larry Lalonde. I mean, you get on the list. Oh, my God, you you instructed all these people on this list? I did. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. I'm very impressed. You know, you luckiest what. guitar teacher ever. That's the way I look at it. Uh, <laughs> okay. You never know who's going to walk through the door and look for lessons, but... Um, yeah, I got lucky because uh, they were incredibly fun, dedicated. They were part of that uh, generation that was really onto something new, especially like Kirk Hammett and and Larry, um, Alex Skolnick. I mean, mm-hmm. they were really pioneers. And and now look, you've got this, you know, that kind of thrash metal is like. An institution now, you know what I mean? It's totally Indeed. accepted worldwide. It is absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, Access TV premieres the 2017 documentary, Joe Satriani, Beyond the Supernova. Uh, magnificent. That is tomorrow night, as a matter of fact, at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 o'clock Central Time, directed by Satriani's son. Oh, your, your son directed. Hold your son. That's right. How old is he? 25. And ZZ? You just call him ZZ? Yep. That's short for Zachariah Zane. Which, as you can tell, ZZ's a lot easier to pronounce. <laughs> but ZZ Satriani, I like that. It's got a nice flow to it. It certainly does, yeah. I think he, and he grew into it. So, that's cool. That's magnificent. The doc captures the rock legend during his acclaimed surfing to shockwave world tour. Joe, you're one of those guys to tell you, I've been in um, classic rock radio. Well, first of all, rock radio. And then classic rock radio for the last 48 years. And watching it change, uh, what you were talking about, you know, the, the, how people branched out into different directions from, from, uh, I guess the early '50s is when I, when when they combined what they used to refer to as race music, with, uh, I guess was Joe, would you say that it was kind of a combination of country music and 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 R and B? That's kind of how rock started, isn't it? I, I think you're right. You know, I, I, that's that's a good way of describing it. Sort of, you know, it was a lot of music that came down from the hills, a lot of hillbilly music, um, and there was uh, blues and R and B and and the stuff that had started at the turn of the previous century, um, and where 
you know, um, jazz was born, and that's like real African meets European music. Um, once that got started, and I think it met with uh, hillbilly music, which was really like Celtic music, right, right, that had moved to you know North America and went through a generation or two and became its own thing. I mean, it's so you know the music here in the U.S. We're so lucky. It's so it's a hybrid of the best of the best. You know, it it's is pretty. Amazing. Yeah, there, there's no question about that. No question about it. So, Joe, uh, this is quite an honor to talk to you. I've been a big fan of yours for a long, long time. Uh, I guess if if I was going to tell you when it all started, I was 15 years old. Uh, when this Christmas, I got a call from a friend of mine. said, I got this album uh, for Christmas, and I don't really like it. If you, why don't you listen to it, and if you like it, I'll just sell it to you. So I went over and I listened to the album, and I bought it for 50 cents from him. It was a vinyl album, obviously. Uh, I bought this album. It was 1967. I bought it for 50 cents. It was called Are You Experienced by Jimi Hendrix. And it, oh, amazing. It changed my life forever. There were great guitarists before that. You talking about the, you know, the, the hillbilly. There were some hillbilly guitarists that were really, really good. But that, for me, was the start of keeping track of... of uh, and let me, I, I mean, this is a compliment when I say keeping track of you people, because you are very, very special, separate people. The average person, uh, could never play guitar the way you do, or Jimi Hendrix or Eric Clapton or Jimmy Page or the average person, I, they couldn't even get close. Could they, Joe? I don't know. I, I can't believe you're putting me in that same group. I'm, I'm flattered, uh, but because wow, those are my guitarist. heroes. So I, those are the players that I always say to myself, I'll never get there, but I'm going to have so much fun just aspiring to be there. Uh, and I, I still feel that way. You know, when we, we spent a lot of time on the tour bus between shows, and uh, this band is full of music lovers, and we were putting on Hendrix bootlegs. Oh, yeah. Print bootlegs and just you know, there's so many great players out there. Um, uh, but that era you talked about is that was the era where uh, that was my foundation. My roots were that sort of third generation electric blues players. You know, it amazes um, me that the, the guitar kind of spoke for for that. And I guess it would be my generation. The guitar changed everything. And again, there was guitar playing and music before that, but not like. Not like the guitar playing that started in about 1966, 67, somewhere in there, when when uh, it started then, and it really spoke to people. That wonderful. I've talked to Jimmy Page several times, and Jimmy is a great interview because he's got a wonderful sense of humor. Um, you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan. There's a guy. My God, what a talent that guy was. Uh, and I think that's one of the problems I have. And, I, you know, I, Joe, I think a lot of people say, well, yeah, you're of a different generation. That's the real problem. But I think the guitar is missing in, in a lot of today's uh, youth music, whatever you want to call it. You just don't hear the guitar the way you used to. Do you? Yeah, that's true. Well, everything changes. Uh, cameras certainly changed that. Once, um, you know, music television really became a thing, um, the camera insisted that somebody look at it all the time. And, um, you know, the old cameras, you know, they used to set them up, and, you you know, they didn't expect a camera to follow somebody's face, you know, as it moved around. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, cause it could, 
Um, and so, you know, when they shot Elvis or something, they just pulled the camera back, you know, and, and they, it was like, okay, perform like you would on stage. But with technology and then uh, the perfect outlet, which was television, um, the camera came into its own. And then after a while, it was like, well, if the camera can move around with the performer, then it will, and it needs to be looked at. You can't ignore the camera. And slowly, what I noticed was that music was arranged differently to allow the, the singer to look at the camera all the time and never to stop singing. And so most popular music has hardly any instrumental sections at all. Um, it, it's all singing. Um, it's a tough time to be a singer, you know? <laughs> it is, Not absolutely. Not only you look good, but you, you've got to sing all the time, you know? Um, there are no more three-minute guitar solos uh, unless you buy one of my records. <laughs> <laughs> Which I do, by the way. I'd like to point that out. Um, I, is it a guitarist's brain? Is it When you teach guitar, is it just the way you guys are wired that you can do the thing? And I shouldn't just say guys because there are great, great uh, women, female guitarists as well, great women playing that instrument. Is it just the way you people of your talent think is that what it is well I, sometimes i think you know it um it has to do with the the setup of the guitar the guitar is kind of convoluted mm-hmm. um you know the the ultimate non-convoluted instrument would be the piano you know every note's in one place right. in one place only and you know left to right you know low notes to high notes and there it is they even got colors you know two different colors uh, the guitar, you've got notes that are the same notes in four different places. Uh, the tuning's weird. Uh, it's not always in tune or intonated properly. Um, it can be acoustic or electric, uh, and, and you've got to hold it, and, and it's weird, and everybody holds it differently. Um, it's, a, it's a very unusual instrument, so I think the brain, you know, when it finally gets its head wrapped around the geography of the notes, you know, it comes up with different patterns, patterns that a keyboard player wouldn't, or let's say a trumpet player or a horn player, you know, where they, where it's sort of like the notes are floating in their mind. Right, you know? right. And I, I do believe it's almost like language, you know, like languages like, uh, you know, Chinese, Japanese or Sanskrit, um, because they're, they're so artistic looking as they write the language, both parts of the brain are involved. It, when kids learn, when they grow up in China and they're learning their, their mm-hmm. language because of the way they write it. Um, whereas in the Western world, uh, European languages, and, and here, of course, in, in North America, uh, speaking English, it's just a one-side brain thing. Words are words. They're yep. not pieces of art. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. And that changes the way that we express ourselves with the language. So in, I think that's what it is. I think it's guitar players, once they figure out the guitar... They just come up with the weirdest, you know, ways of playing notes that other uh, instrumentalists don't play, you know. No, that's 100%. That's how what, the guitar is laid out. That's exactly what I thought. It, was. it just, it's a different language to, to people of your talent. Uh, I, I, ten minutes was not long enough, Joe. Next time I hope I can get you for longer than ten minutes. You're, you're a terrific interview. I love talking to you. You're exactly, you know, it's interesting. I've never spoken to you before, but you're exactly the way I thought you would be. Very kind of introspective, but analytical as hell, which I think all great guitarists have to be really analytical. I, I think that's wonderful. 
and I hope you can join us again sometime, sir. I would love to. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's our great pleasure. Access TV premieres 2017 documentary Joe Satriani, Beyond the Supernova. It is tomorrow night at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 p.m. Central Time, directed by Joe Satriani's son, ZZ Satriani. The doc captures a rock legend during his acclaimed surfing to shockwave the world tour. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tom Bernard Show. (laughs) 